begins. Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Lawson and Eris Schernevis, and a few surprises along the way. And now, Disney Vault Talks. Rebel Yell. Take cover! Well, I promised it would happen. I promised we would have an intro that included Eris Schernevice in the intro this week. And I made good on that promise. Uh, Welcome. Welcome to the season finale. It was so stupid. It was awesome. (laughs) Ah, welcome to the. I've, I've been looking forward to it all week. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron shirt of ice. <laughs> welcome to Rebel Yell. This is our ongoing discussion. This is the season finale of Rebel Yell as we are on the heels of the season finale of Star Wars Rebels, the big two-parter zero hour. And what a finale it was. Some of the best Star Wars we've ever had on television, in my opinion. So you know where I'm going right out of the gate. And, um, man, I I cannot wait to break this down. And, of course, you know it's not me. You've already heard Erish, but let's bring them all in one by one. Of course, the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, the lovely, the talented, the powerful, Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. Hello, Steve. How are you feeling right now about this episode of Star Wars Rebels, or these episodes? I'm okay. I mean, they were good episodes. I think Twin Suns was better, but we'll get into that. Okay. And uh, the aforementioned and now included in the intro, which I'm sure will be updated for season four, uh, my brother from another mother, Harris Chernavice. Steve, I am the light. I am the one who walks in the middle. Yes, I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You walk in the middle. And we had hoped to have our Jedi Council together, and uh, we are sadly missing one who is out sick tonight, and she is missed, and we hope she feels better quickly. But we are not without the other member of our Jedi Council from Star Wars Bookworms from Bad Wolf Radio, anxiously awaiting news of the new doctor, our good friend Aaron Goins. Aaron, how's it going, my man? Pretty good. How are you guys? We're all well. We're all well. Thanks for coming on and talking some uh, Zero Hour with us. I'm very excited to talk about it. The only sad thing is that when we're talking about a finale, that means we have a long time to wait until the next season. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I, I guess we're looking at typically September, right? Is when they launch these things, yep. September, October. Yeah. yeah, so... A few months and no and nothing really outside of celebration to hold us over until now and then I guess we'll be hanging on every trailer and well, teaser no, and everything that, else. I mean we got 
look, they're they're gonna give us something at celebration. Exactly, that's true. That's and true. then isn't D twenty three this year? Oh, is I mean, D. There, there could be if D twenty three is this year. There could be something at D twenty three. There could be something at San Diego Comic Con. You know, so I think we'll get some some teases and tidbits. Yes, yes. I, I would expect over the coming months, the summer months, to tide us over. I'm going to say a teaser trailer of some sort at Celebration, yeah. and then at Comic Con a sizzle reel of some sort. Then at Disney at D twenty three, we'll get another full trailer. And then we're off to the races. So, uh, and not to mention, Irish said tidbits, right? And not to mention uh, that novel that's coming out here in April, Irish. Thrawn. Thrawn. Yeah. The Thrawn novel is a prequel to this season, though. Oh, nice. Yeah, but it's so it's not. It's not going to. You're not going to. It's not going to continue what we. It's. It leads up sure. to his appearance this season. Sure, but it's Ooh, still exclusive on Rebel Yell. Exclusive. No, it's not. Exclusive. I'm just kidding. That, I'm joking. Exclusive. <laughs> um, you got. You gave us exclusive. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, my point is, it's some Star Warsy goodness. Yes. It's yeah. it's Zon Thrawn. Come on. Zon. Zon Thrawn. It's good too. So. Uh, well, let's uh, let's jump into this episode because I'm really excited, really, really anxious to talk about it. Aaron, let's start up with you. Just some overall thoughts before we get really rolling on this thing. How'd you feel about the season finale? I was really happy with it. it had every everything you could want in a, in a Star Wars Rebels episode, and it it did seem like they they had every character that we had seen throughout the series that was somewhat important it made some kind of an appearance. So. I was happy. It had everything I wanted. Um, thought it was one of the best episodes or duologies of the season. Agreed. Agreed. Teresa? You know, I did really like it. It got a lot of reactions out of me, that's for sure. I mm-hmm. had a lot of moments where I was gasping or like, what? What is happening? Uh, it didn't have the same oomph that Twin Sons did, and I think that's just because, for me, Twin Sons was so powerful and impactful. But... I really liked what they did mm-hmm. with with everything. And I was pretty much waiting the whole time for one of our crew members to die. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Okay. hundred <laughs> percent agree. But I was like, I was so, I was actually like having, like my anxiety turned on. So I was like kind of shaking, mm-hmm. you know, the whole time. And my mom was like, are you cold? And I'm like, no, I'm just really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking like a nervous little puppy. Um, yeah. Arish, overall thoughts? I love this. It was it was everything I was hoping it would be. Um, piggyback, piggybacking on what Aaron said, the thing that I really appreciated about this episode was that all these little puzzle pieces that have been introduced to us this season – Stealing the Y-Wings, you know, introducing Wedge into it, the Bendu coming into the storyline, getting the the shield generator, like all of the stuff all played into this episode. Mm -hmm. Like it was just a great season finale, picking up on everything that it had laid out there uh, to set this up. So I, I was thrilled with it. A hundred percent agreed. Uh, and, and not only did all the puzzle pieces come together, Thrawn's plan came to fruition 
and and had it not been for the um, the overzealousness of one of his officers, um, man, things looked it looks like things would have been very different for for our heroes um, at the end of this. Uh, they didn't win by any stretch of the imagination, but you know they lived to fight another day, as we know. I was glad to get my boy Dodonna in there. Um, voiced by Michael Bell, a.k.a. Duke from G.I. Joe. Come on. Come on. Really? Yes. Come on. Does it get much better than Dodonna voiced by Duke from G.I. Joe? I don't think so. Um, well, let's, let's get into this thing. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's break it down, as they say. Um, Thrawn turned it up to 11 in this episode. Teresa, and I know that you know your 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 boy is is Darth Maul, but you've got to kind of I mean you know from the get go when he is breaking out his plan to Tarkin and and letting them know where they're coming from, and then he he goes and he tracks Callus down. Um, how how fearful were you for Callus's life in this? And should they may have, maybe should they have let him die? Um. Okay, so the answer to the question of should they have let him die, yes, would be my answer to that. Not because I don't like Callus, I actually do, but I think that that would have emphasized Thrawn's ruthlessness for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Thrawn would be the type to just take you know, somebody like Callus that was doing all this stuff and fulcrum and to know everything and just take him back to the ship and be like, here, watch this. Uh, I see how that can be also bad because you're, like, torturing somebody. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like he would have just said, like, bye. Mm -hmm. But Thrawn gives me chills no matter what's going on with him. And so there were some really big moments for me watching him. And I was so happy that Constantine was just straight stupid. Uh, Mainly because... If he hadn't died then, I feel like we would have seen Thrawn kill him. So it's probably just better for him that he just did something really stupid. Yeah, agreed, yeah. Erish, uh, <laughs> why did Thrawn leave Callus alive? Was it just to, like, rub in his face that he was going to have to watch the Rebellion be wiped out, basically? You know, it's something I've been thinking about. And there's part of me that, that still doesn't trust Callus. Mm. And there's part of me that's wondering if this is an even longer con, a longer play that Thrawn is playing here. You know, we've seen him play, slowly play out and set this trap, like, throughout the whole season. Like, just stringing the Rebels along so we can spring this trap at the end. And I'm wondering if Callus might still be part of his bigger plans. Hmm. So a double agent callous kind of situation going on. Possibly, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I still just don't really... It's it's all too easy. Why keep him alive? Why not... Or at the very least, why isn't he in a brig? Why is he, like, on the bridge of the ship, like, having to watch all of this? What was the point of all of that? Aaron, what say you? Should Callus have lived or died? And and by the way, knowing that knowing how big a fan you are of the novels and everything, as well as I am of those classic uh, Air of the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and Last Command, it was good to hear Thrawn kind of wax eloquent about art, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, as far as Callus goes, I actually I 
really enjoy that character, so mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't kill him. Sure. Because now he's officially part of the rebellion. I think it's going to be cool to see how much they use him in the next season. Maybe he gets a new outfit. I think I think he's just going to be a cool addition to the rebellion. So I'm like really happy he didn't die. Maybe he'll trim those. Reason... Maybe he'll trim those sideburns a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Get a haircut like Ezra. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. You mean stick a I waxy that... piece of black, take a record and melt it down and attach it to your head? <laughs> I think they kept him alive because, you know, he he's fulcrum. He has a, he probably has a lot of information that could be valuable to the Empire. So I, don't, I think they weren't ready to to kill him yet. They wanted to see what they could get out of him. Okay. I don't think the double agent thing would come to fruition just because we saw kind of the one-on-one confrontation at Ezra's tower. Yeah, we did. Where they're alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that would be a little bit odd if he was <laughs> if he was actually still on Thrawn's side, that they had that cool little hand-to-hand combat. But, yeah, I, I really like the character. But, yeah, Thrawn, as far as the art goes, I really liked this. This episode is the first time, actually, that I've been really happy with the character of Thrawn in this season. Up to this point, I've just been kind of like, eh, it's kind of boring. Hmm. Uh, Thrawn, Thrawn yawn a little bit. Wow. But hashtag, but yeah, so, <laughs> but this episode, I really enjoyed him. He, he, he took it to the next level. All of his plans kind of came to fruition where you're just like, okay, you know, this is the Thrawn that I was expecting. I just, I hadn't seen it yet. You know, mm-hmm. he was, he was thinking even a few steps ahead of me. So right. I was happy. Right. Well, you know, and it's interesting because you're not the only person I've heard say that. And, and I think we've even voiced a little bit of that on this show as far as what's he waiting for. You know, we all knew he was waiting for something. And and this was his moment. And this was the thing. And, you know, for as long and we've all known Grand Admiral Thrawn from those original novels back in the 90s. And when we meet him, we meet him smack dab in the middle of his plan. Like, we don't really get the build-up to going to uh, Mirkir and getting the Asalamiri and the, and you know, we, we meet him going there to get those things and going to get the clone Jedi and all this stuff. And so he's he's pulling, he's making his final move to pull those pieces together, really, and, and puts the rebels on the run, or the New Republic at that point, on the run. So here we had to kind of let that build and burn and it's been and, and this episode really made it all worth it and you mentioned his fight with callus and Eris, you know what i was thinking oh i was thinking the same thing baby <laughs> cue it up <laughs> i mean he even look he even brought with him his little uh mp3 player ipod or whatever that was that he was using to jam the signal and I'm just yep. thinking, all right, Stuffy, there you go. So <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same thing. I was also thinking that Tarkin has clearly heard this song because he's pretty clear to Thrawn that he doesn't want him to kill. He, he wants yes. to bring them in alive. Indeed. So Tarkin has heard Thrawn's theme. Mm-hmm. He, he's fully aware of what to expect. Yeah, I listen. Yeah, I'm. I agree with you. And but Tarkin. Did it seem, guys, Aaron, did it seem like Tarkin didn't quite trust Thrawn completely? Like, he seemed a little dubious of Thrawn's plan and his ideas. Well, I love the, I love the line where, he, where he's just like, no, don't kill the officers. I need you to try to capture them. And Thrawn's like, 
well, I don't know. This is a kind of battle. It's kind of, you know, it's going to be hard for me not to kill everybody. Like, he, at this point, Thrawn is ready to wipe these people out. <laughs> like, he's just, he has them trapped, and he's bloodthirsty. I actually really liked to see that kind of uh, cruelty from that character. Um, but, yeah, Tarkin, does, it seems like maybe there might be a little bit of a rivalry, rivalry between those two characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if that's the case. Uh, Teresa, you think there's a rivalry between uh, what we know of Tarkin, especially like on the heels of Rogue One and how, you know, he was so ready to just relieve Krennic of all of his duties? Um, no, not really. I don't think there's a rivalry at all. Um, I think Tarkin knows where he stands with the Emperor and with Vader and what his, where he is. I think it's more of Tarkin's playing a game, too, of, okay, well, I'll let you think that you're in control and you have all this power, but I don't think that Tarkin really is feels like he's competing for a spot. Mm-hmm. I think for him, Thrawn is expendable. He's a necessary thing for now, kind of like Krennic. He's necessary for He has a purpose. But once he's served his purpose, it's like, see you later. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing with the with the Empire. You can't ever just trust anybody because everybody's that. For me, even though they're not Sith, they're all like rule of two. You know, they're all trying to take each other's job. Mm-hmm. So whatever they have to do to one up somebody or to turn somebody in and to take their spot, they'll do it. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of what, I, what I'm getting from that, Irish. Well, I, I kind of agree with a little bits and pieces of everything that was just said. I, I do believe that Tarkin is secure in his spot. He, he, he's not worried about Thrawn or somebody usurping his, his place in the Empire. But I think it's very important to Tarkin that that everyone else that everyone else knows his spot. You know, and I mm. think that that conversation that the hologram with Tarkin and Thrawn where he's talking to him, it's it, it's Tarkin basically saying, look, I'm in charge here. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You know, without coming out and saying. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know, Thrawn is challenging his his authority a little bit um, without directly challenging it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's all nuances in the language between the two of them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I always, I just always assume there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of competition there amongst all of those officers, though. You know, like everyone's kind of vying for position and uh, just waiting for their slot. They don't want to be on Vader's ship necessarily, but you know, uh, they're and and Thrawn's so confident that I, I, it's almost like Thrawn's not in competition. It's almost like Thrawn's like I'm so confident that I'm going to do what I need to do, that you can say whatever you want to say. Um, Aaron, when we were starting out, you mentioned that you know this. Th- there were so many characters that we've met over the course of the series who came into play in this episode in one way or another. Um, one character that came into play, and I was glad to see come into play, and uh, was was Hera. Hera really stepped up, and you know we really got to see her take charge and take command in this episode, um, and and she really kind of proved herself to be. You know, I, I don't know. To me, upper echelon rebellion leadership. Uh, How did you feel she was represented in this episode? Yeah, Hera's 
Hera is such a great character in this show, and she really has come out to be the leader of not just the this group, but you know, just a major leader in the rebellion. I know, like when the show first came out, and you have you know people are like, "Oh, Kanan's the leader." No, or Hera's the leader. I think uh, this this season has really shown us who the true leader of this group is. I mean, she's she's giving Hera or she's giving Ezra and Kanan orders, you know, in this episode. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was a great a great showcase for her. She deserves to be the one that had her name mentioned in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's very fitting. She is, you know, standing right next to the leadership of the rebellion and making these major decisions and playing a huge part. So I, th- I think it's awesome. Teresa, you know, we've and it's something we've said a lot this season. Where's Hera? Where's Hera? Well, here she was. Yeah, she had some really good lines and. Probably one of my favorites was when Kanan was still alive and he makes some joke. I forget what it is. He said, and she's like, that's only funny because you're still alive. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, and then she called him love. Yes, we know. <laughs> Aren't we past that? We know they're a couple or they're a whatever. I don't know if you'd call it a couple. They're a, they're, they're a, I feel Space like Mary. I feel like she cooled off on him a little bit when he lost his eyesight because he's wearing that weird big green thing on his face all the time. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's gotta not be fun to like, you know, kiss somebody yeah. with like blinders on. But uh, she, well, a lot of people kiss people with blinders on. Um, but I mean, I just, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say there is like, just, just get past or just show them as a couple already. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think uh, they will. I think they're really missing out there. See, okay, Cause, cause, okay, because they clearly are. I mean, it's it's in their language. It's in the subtle body. I mean, w- the way they they the way they put their hands on each other before they went off on their separate missions and stuff. It's like, oh, come on, we all know they're a couple. Just like show it already. See, and I'm I'm on the opposite side of it. Like, I don't. I know they're a couple. I know they're a thing. The subtle hints and the subtle cues are very nice. I don't need it in my face. I don't need to see them together. I I need to know that they are the backbone of the crew and that they have each other's backs, and we see that. I feel like in the time of war and, you know, with what they're involved in and all of that, that seeing them together, for me at least, would be... A distraction from the overall mission and from the family for me I'm not sure why but like it's enough for me to know to see those moments like you mentioned like when they when they put their hands on each other and stuff before they went their separate ways and you know having some of that language like love and some of those other things and their concern and the the way that Freddie and Vanessa do their voices when they're worried about the other person and all of that, those inflections, it's plenty for me. So I don't know. I'm not saying that we need to see them like, you know, like PDA, like every five seconds on the show. That That's not what I'm saying. But I think that like, this was a perfect episode where a little scene, just the two of them, like, you know, like, he just pulls her off to the side for a second, you know, and has like a moment with her and then they go off or whatever. I, I, I don't think that it would, I think it would only enhance it like every once in a while, if they did something like that. 
<laughs> Wayne Ramirez. Aaron, what do, I want to know what Aaron thinks. <laughs> Aaron? Um, I kind of agree with Teresa, actually. Um, I think I like the I like the idea that they are a couple, and I'm I think the show has shown that in subtle ways. I like that she you know she called him love. I think it's only like the second time in the entire series that she's referred to him that way. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want it to be much more than what they've done. Yeah, I I mean I I like what Ayers was saying about a. A moment, you know, where he's like, Hera, you need to know if I don't. And she's like, just tell me when you get back. Kind of, you know, do do a moment like that um, where you know what he wants to say and, and you know that she's like, it's time to get down to business. But the reason she is worried about him and the reason she has to, you know, say just get back, love, is because he's gone to warn Bindu. And Bindu wants none of it, Erish. Uh, how great was it to see Bindu in this episode? And what do you think what, what his are? Oh, yeah. You know that I love, you know I love me some Bendu. Yes, sir. Um, and I, I certainly love the angry, crazy, PO'd Bendu. <laughs> uh, you know, I will not be talked to by the likes of you, Kanan Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Um, the ironic thing is, is that by getting all crazy, angry, and hulked out the way he does, he does exactly what Kanan wanted him to do. Yeah, he almost ruined it for him, though. Why was he going after Kane in there as they're trying to get away? I think that he, you know, in in Rebels Recon, uh, it might have been Gilroy that said it, uh, or, or Filoni. One of the, basically, they said that Bendu, like, he just, his mission in life is he just wants to sleep. And he had found this little world that we know isn't on any Imperial charts or whatever, not that many beings know about this world it's his quiet place to just be away from everybody and ever since phoenix squad has showed up he's had to deal with all these like rabble rousing kids running around sitting on his feet asking him for help asking him for wisdom and guidance and everything and he just wants to be left alone and so now uh, now they've brought war to his quiet little place and now they're asking him to participate in this war, and I think he just he just loses it. You know, he just snaps. It's like one thing, and then Kanan calling him a coward was the last straw. Mm. Like one thing too much. Like, kid, I have been around for longer than you can even comprehend, and you have the audacity to like challenge me and then call me a coward. Like it was just too much, too much for him to take. Hmm. Um, and it just it adds all the more to this mystery of who he is. Like what what does he really know? Like what is his connection to the Force? Like how do I just I'm so fascinated by this character, and I hope that this isn't the last we've seen of him. Although you think about it, and it's like you know he's not going to seek. I, I don't see why he would seek Kanan out. And how is Kanan going to be able to find him again? I think if he really wants to disappear, he can disappear. So I don't know that we're ever going to see Bendu again. Well, he pure disappeared, Aaron. Um, Thrawn, it looked as though Thrawn shot him in the head. Was this a dead Jedi disappearing thing? Or or did did he just dematerialize and go elsewhere? I think he's just so powerful. He he just He just disappeared. He... I think he was defeated in the moment where, you know, Thrawn, 
you know, and all his forces was was able to not not you know do much to Bendu, but enough to kind of get him to a place where he had to kind of get out of there and disappear. I just love the fact that Thrawn and all of his intelligence and his you know manipulation and being able to kind of read everything and figure everybody out. The Force still baffles him. You know he. He was like, what was the one thing he said? Like, what what kind of Jedi sorcery is this? You know, he mm-hmm. he can't wrap his head around this this Force entity, and I like I like that that um, there's still something that that is um, gets the best of Thrawn. So I I loved I loved the fact mm-hmm. that Bendu was back. I I was kind of wondering as we're getting close to the end of the season. I'm like, oh man, it seems like they introduced this character Bendu, and now we're you know he's gone, and then they they threw him in. I did not expect to see him. Um, so I, I really liked it a lot. Well, for you also, it's like two of your franchise the force is back com- coming together. You've got a doctor <laughs> voicing a Star Wars character. Oh yes, yeah. Tom Baker, I think, had did a did an awesome job oh, as the he voice was of phenomenal. Yeah, hundred percent agree, Teresa. We didn't, um, you know, as, as we hit kind of the middle of the season, and you weren't able to be around. We didn't really get a lot of your thoughts on Bindu this whole season. What have you thought about that guy just throughout the season and, and, and what we saw happen here in the at the end? I really like Bindu, but I really like the concept of the Force and sort of diving into all of that and what it means and how it works and how it flows through people and everything. So I really like that they gave they gave the Force a face, if you will. And I know that they've said in Rebels Recon that they don't think of the show as being a children's show. They think of it as being for everybody. And I love that they said that, but at the same time, we all know deep down that they are very aware of who their audience is and that their audience is a lot of kids. And the concept of the Force, just like you know other concepts of religion, can be very hard for smaller children and you know, younger people, even for some people, even teenagers to be able to understand because it's a very abstract concept. And so by putting a face on it, I think it really helped to begin to understand the force. It was like a good entry point of understanding it and being able to sort of decide where you fall with it. The one thing I didn't like about the Bindu in this episode is that it made sense for us what he was saying about walking down the middle and all that stuff. But I don't think they gave him enough time in the season for that and all the things he was saying to really, there's not enough connections Mm -hmm. for that with our younger audience to be able to really understand what he was talking about. And I think a lot of them probably don't understand why he turned into a cloud storm and why he was going after Kanan. Like there just wasn't enough there to follow that. Um, I kind I get it, and I think you guys get it too. But you know, I hope he's not gone. I don't think he is. But I did really love him as a character, and I loved all the little times that he would show up, or they would show just like a little clip of him just kind of watching what was going on. Um, but I don't think that the Bindu is strictly to that one planet. Mm. I think the Bindu could take many shapes and many forms, and could be anywhere. Mm. Wow. Now. Some of his dialogue was a little... I couldn't make out everything that he was saying in this episode. Mm. Um, Particularly when the anger kicked in. But did he say, I'm the will of the Force? Oh, wow. I don't know. Did he? 
You know, when he first started transforming in front of Kanan and like, you know, the winds were whipping up and he, you know, and stuff. It sounded like he said, you know, he's talking about being the light and the dark in the middle. And I thought I heard him say that he's the will of the force. Mm -hmm. He might have. If that was indeed the case, I found that to be really interesting too. That is very interesting. Um, if you will, uh, we can continue to talk and I'll try to find that moment, uh, on the video and, um, and see what we can come up with. Turn down the volume, Glosson. Um, you know, and then, like, even when when he brings the storm against the Empire, you know, he says, I am death, and, like, fires down lightning and stuff. You know, these are things that, you know, in the past, if, if a character said, oh, he's a Sith, you know, he's a bad guy. But right. in this case, like, we're not necessarily seeing him. We know he's not a Sith. We know he's not a Jedi. We're not necessarily seeing him as good or evil. You know, he's told us a million times that he is, yeah, 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 we know, you're the middle. But yet he's firing down death on them and, and turning on somebody we thought was his friend, Kanan, and firing down lightning on him and kind of chasing after him. It was just all very interesting, that, that dark turn. And then kind of the prophecy that, he tells Thrawn where he's like, you don't get it, but I see your end, like the cold embrace of uh, a bunch of arms. Like many arms surrounding you in a cold embrace. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Thrawn is going to be killed by Borgullet. (laughs) (laughs) The one night stand with Borgullet. That's right. Borgullet will kill you. But the interesting there too, is he speaking directly about Thrawn or is he talking about the empire in general? Well, see, and that's the thing. I don't, you know, I don't really know. I mean, it it would, it's interesting because this whole season he hasn't said anything like that. It was like almost he was predicting the future for this person that he was looking at. And it's kind of goes back to what we said last week when we were talking about predictions. And if that is the case, then Thrawn could take that however he wants it. And knowing Thrawn, he would take that to mean that he's talking about him. But he very well could be talking about the Empire. Uh, you mentioned him you know, striking Kanan and striking his friend and having a dark turn. We know he walks down the middle, but walking down the middle doesn't necessarily mean neutrality. It can mean that today I'm going to be kind and light sidey to you. And then the next day, you know, because you've made me mad, I can show you the wrath of the Force and the evilness that does exist in it. So I feel like he's... But he does tell Kanan that he's neutral, that he's not going to take sides. Well, and Right, he, he says that, but... Well, he doesn't until I mean, they start... We've seen... Maybe that's what he does at the end, is he does it by striking at both the Empire and at Kanan, he's not taking sides. He's yeah. just... He is walking that middle. You've all angered me. You're all going to pay the price. Well, he doesn't yeah. get angry really until that bombardment starts, does he? Well, he gets angry when Kanan calls him a coward. That, okay. That's when the anger starts. And then he dissipates into the, the storm, and then we see him again as the storm. Okay, so that's in the first part. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. then I'm watching the wrong one. I'm, I'm, scrubbing, through the, I'm scrubbing through the wrong one here. Um, Aaron, what, what, do you, what do you think on all this? You've been quiet for a while here. 
I think he's such an abstract character, um, and it, they made him even more bizarre when they decided to turn him into a giant storm cloud. Typically, that kind of thing would kind of get him. I'd be like, oh, okay, they took it too far and got a little super cheesy with this. But for whatever reason, in this case, it actually worked for me. Um, I was thinking that he was just kind of doing like a Wizard of Oz thing where he was like projecting himself up into the clouds, but he wasn't actually the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, I but totally then you thought see, that, by the way. Yeah, I was thinking, okay, this is just some force trickery that he's playing on Thrawn here where he's trying to seem bigger than he really is, but he's actually still down on the ground, you know, and he's just projecting himself up into the storm. But no, we see an actual, like, asteroid kind of thing fall from the sky once he he gets hit by the laser bolts. Um, And he actually was, like, a you know, physically up in the clouds, which I thought was kind of weird. But I like it when they take these risks because you know in the movies we see the force you know we have yoda and luke and vader and these very physical beings that you can kind of you can relate with even though they're aliens or whatever you can still relate with these you know physical entities that you can see but when they go a little bizarre with the force and they do this thing like they did with him or like they did with the mortis trilogy it's a whole nother level and i'm really happy actually that filoni is willing to take it there um so yeah, I th- I thought it actually worked. Well, from a design purpose, you know, one of the things they talked about in Rebel Re- Rebels Recon, which I thought was really cool, is they really wanted to make it feel like um, almost a period piece, and and have that kind of poltergeist '80s kind of look to it. And and when they said that, I'm like, that's why it felt so comfortable. That's why I didn't have a problem with it because it felt like something right out of uh, you know classic. 80s movies that we all know I love and um and so like I say just from a visual aesthetic um but yeah I I just I was kind of confused because Kanan and them were trying to get off world and he still took a shot at him and it wasn't an accident because he says Kanan Jarrus you know yeah and and I'm like why is he doing this why is he going he killed after somebody them? too like he he took out an a-wing um, that's right he sure there. did yeah yeah. So I I think like it was just it, it was it was illustrating the fact that he was not taking sides. Mm-hmm. He just he was just upset that they brought war to his planet and he was just trying to get everybody off of there. He wasn't right. caring if it was empire he was aiming at or if it was republic. He was just just getting trying to get rid of them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because be, be, the Bindu. before he starts raining the lightning down, he tells them leave this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I actually mean, was nervous for um, Kanan, uh, this episode. Where, As where, was uh, I. As Teresa was talking about how she was worried about somebody dying. I thought this might have been Kanan's time. I actually, oh, man. If that had happened, Aaron, oh, my God, you would have cried. <laughs> I, who was I? Steve, was it you and I talking offline last week, maybe, where I said it, I thought it might be, I thought it might be, uh, Zeb, Rex, or Sato. Right. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, well, the talking that. about the death of Sato. What a noble... I mean, Sato's noble end, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I actually... I, I did have a tear. I, I had a tear. And it was when I realized exactly what he was going to do. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to sacrifice himself. And I was like, no. And then I got really sad for about a minute. And then... I was like, okay, move on. Time to go. <laughs> well, it was it was well done, and I liked the two 
the two bridge crew members just looking at each other and then we're going to stay sitting down. Oh my God. That, that was a really nice little moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was yeah. just look there. They freaking love ships crashing into each other these days. And I have no <laughs> problems with it because it's freaking <laughs> awesome. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. But I also, did you notice in that situation, Thrawn tells Constantine to get back in line and Constantine gives Thrawn his little smart aleck answer, and Thrawn is nonplussed by it. Like, he doesn't fly off the handle, he doesn't let it cause him to not stay the course anymore, and then when Sato goes in so that they... I mean, that's an interdictor that um, that Constantine is in command of, and of course, so it takes out, you know, a gravity well to open up a, a space for Ezra to get through, but, man, it is a... It's a glorious moment, and it's a great ending for Sato... You know, like I said, a noble end for sure. Um, and uh, well, and the the end of Phoenix Squadron too. And the, that you know that's the one thing that you know I, I noticed on the uh, trivia guide. It said that this is the end of Phoenix Squadron altogether. Yeah, and Constantine. Can I just say it? Constantine is an idiot. Well, yeah. yeah. He deserved what he got, dummy. Agreed. Good Wait. riddance. I am so glad we're done with him. It kind of shows the flaw in Thrawn's plan or where Thrawn kind of made a mistake is when you put somebody like Constantine in charge of one of the most important elements of your plan, you know, that probably wasn't the best assignment for Constantine. There had to be a better officer you could have put on that ship because Constantine up to this point had been proving that he was going to bungle just about anything you give him. So Thrawn kind of screwed up there. Wrong chess piece. Wrong wrong move. But in fairness to Thrawn... You know, had Bendu not done what he did, Thrawn still would have been victorious. Yeah, that's because, true. Because he had he had all the rebels surrounded. Okay, this and is what it, it was. It was the one piece that he couldn't account for being Bendu that that turned the tide and allowed the rebels to escape. That's true. That's the one thing he didn't know about. Well, here's what Bindu says when he gets mad. He says, I will not be called a coward by the likes of you, Cain and Jairus. Um, then there's some rumbling. And perhaps it is the will of the Force that the Jedi and all your kind perish. Huh. And I serve the will of the Force. <laughs> wow. So is that saying that... So is that Bindu telling Kanan he's going to kill him? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that's why sh- that's why he struck out at Kanan, um, because he serves because he perceives the will of the Force to maybe um, be that the, the Jedi and his kind perish, but and he serves the will of the Force. Wow, that's intense. That's. Do you think the Bindu had a change of heart though at the end? I mean, do you think that maybe when he's face to face with Thrawn that that we may see if we ever are revisited by this being again, that he may have a little bit different take on things. Maybe. Because, well, because I think, I, I think about, I'm sorry, Aaron. I think about like Maz Kanata in, in force awakens, you know, here's a being that is for all intents and purposes, a thousand years old. And she talks about the evil she's seen in the galaxy, the Sith and then the empire. And now the first order, um, and it just seems like that if she can recognize, if she being ancient, and I'm sure the Bindu probably would look at her and say that she's does not as old as he is. I don't know. But to have that type of years and in, in, in experience on her, 
you know, and to see that there's a good guy and a bad guy in this situation. Um, you know, maybe maybe he will now see it. He reminds me so much of the Ents from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great analogy, yeah. And that's it, so funny. Um, I was watching Lord of the Rings the other day. Aaron, Some I, I, of these trees were my friends. Aaron, I cut you off, and you were, you were going to say... Oh, I was just going to say, I think that Kanan's little speech to Bendu, I think did get to Bendu a little bit, where he was telling Bendu, yeah, you might be neutral, but sometimes being neutral isn't the right thing to do when yeah. there are innocent people dying. Yeah, pansy. Um, sometimes yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think there was, I know it. sometimes people get the most upset when they know they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think there was there was a moment there that Bendu, something that Kanan said did affect him. Um, so I could see him coming back in some way to to help defeat the empire or you know at least to help the rebels again um, except that except that Kanan and the rebels are not innocent people they're all soldiers they're 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 fighting this war just as much as the imperials are so if you look at it from bendu's point of view this neutrality this middle you know Kanan's arguing that to fight save the innocents but there's no innocence there and the spiders are more innocent than the rebels are in this case. Hmm. Well, I think that Kanan's point is that the galaxy as a whole is being uh, destroyed by the Empire, is being, you know, people are being murdered across the galaxy. I don't think he was asking for Bendu's help just to save the soldiers that were on that planet. I think he was asking for Bendu's help in the general scheme of things to defeat the Empire. No, I think at that moment he was asking for Bendu's help to help them defeat the Imperials that were right in front of him at that moment. And the Bendu has a much larger view of things than just in the moment. So to mm-hmm. him, so to him, it doesn't matter. And what's interesting too, and again, you brought up the the reference to the Ents, you know. The, these beings who are so old, they, you know, we, we've tended to see through the, the various pieces of literature and stories and stuff that they're in. They have a different, they tend to have a different mindset as to, as to like, especially urgency. You know, he's like being people, beings die. It's what happens. It's the way, the, it's the way this galaxy works right. kind of thing. So what is this? desperate urgent moment right now for Kanan for Bendu you know this I've seen this over and over and over again this too shall pass mm-hmm. and then I will it will all go away and I can go back to my sleep again you know so there isn't that urgency be- behind it for Bendu that there is for Kanan hmm. well not not to abruptly change the subject but I'm going to do it anyway how great are, are Zeb and Rex together? <laughs> they're funny. They're, want, they're, that one point when the shield holds and they're like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> I want I want a standalone buddy road trip movie with Zeb and Rex. I, I will take just an episode next season. A buddy road trip episode. I, I, I think they're a great pair. Yes. they. It's like they under they, they have an understanding with each other that no one else in the ghost crew outside of maybe Kanan and Hera have 
with one another. They're bros. They're bros. They're bros. They are bros from exactly, exactly. They are Steve. They are you and I in, in Star Wars form. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. Um, I'll let you be Rex. Oh, thanks, thanks. I was gonna, I was gonna be Zeb. I like Zeb. He's been my All favorite right. since he's been my favorite since the get go. Um, well, let's talk about Ezra a little bit. Uh, Ezra is sent off by Hera to go get reinforcements to try to flank now the empire that's there and Mon Mothma won't do it. So Ezra takes off to Sabine's family to ask them. Um, when Ezra got back at the end of last episode, so Teresa, we'll swing back around in that episode a little bit. You know, the one thing he learned and we talked about this is that that's his, that is his family. And that mm-hmm. got brought back up again in this episode. You know, we're going to keep this family together. Um, is are we done with Ezra learning his lessons? You know, in that well, because he has a great moment with Canaan where he's like, "You're teaching me." Basically, without saying these words, he says, "You're teaching me what it means to be a man." You know, yeah. it's not just about being a Jedi, and um, and so I'm wondering, are we are we through with Ezra having to learn the hard lessons now? Well, before I answer that. Mm-hmm. I think most people can probably discern I'm not a huge fan of Ezra. Right. But in this particular episode, I actually was because he was not the whiny, annoying little child. Exactly. And that's why I'm asking. Yeah. He was, for more, you know, lack of a better term for it he was a man in this one he he stepped up to what he needed to step up to and when mon mothma told him no which first of all i was like how could you uh and then i thought well it makes sense but he says okay fine and so he goes to sabine and he when he says if you won't help me i will go find somebody who will i was like yes thank you like he finally was just like you know what i'm not taking anything off of anybody i'm i need to save my friends and my family and i'm just doing what needs to get done without complaining about it it was so great so i guess to answer your question i i think we'll still see moments of teenage ezra in season four but i think we're gonna see a lot more grown-up ezra and if that's the case i am excited for it I, I mean, I 100% agree with you as far as when he goes off on this mission, there was something different about him than we've seen in this entire series. To the point, you know, that I'm rooting for him. I'm hoping for him. The, the, the banter, the antics with him and Chopper aren't there. You know, this, I mean, they really did a great job of crafting these two episodes as being, you know, really getting across the seriousness and the direness of the situation that our heroes were in. Uh, Aaron, where... Where is Ezra going? I mean, are we are are we seeing Ezra step into manhood? Um, I think I feel like the show kind of teases that sometimes and then they bring it back. You know, I think there's been different points through this season where we'll have an episode where we're like, wow, Ezra's really grown a lot. And in the next episode, he's kind of back to what we've known before. Um, so I think we'll get that in season four, too. We'll have these moments where Ezra does his typical Ezra thing and he's going to need to learn some more lessons. I mean, he's still young. He's, he's still just a kid. I think he's what? 16 at this point, 17. I think 17 is what we're supposed to believe here. Okay. So, I mean, every 17 year old I know still has a lot of life to learn, you know, a lot, a lot 
of mistakes sure. to make. And I think we'll we'll still see the the ups and downs of Ezra moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Ezra in this episode, what'd you think? I don't like battle mode, Ezra. Oh wow. Because he, he uh, excuse my language here for a minute, but he's kind of a he's kind of a dick. Um, really? He's. I just saw him just bossing. He's bossing Chopper around. He's just like, you do this, you do that, you do this, and just. Yeah. But but is that not like him just taking charge? You can take charge, but it's yes, it's him taking charge, but it's him taking charge in kind of a yeah, a skeevy. No, skeevy's the wrong one. I mean, I, I, I said it like a little too just, a little too harsh, maybe. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Hera takes charge all the time, and she's like, you know, not being as demonstrative about it as mm. he is. It, it, to me, it's like a little kid trying to to be in charge. Well, and maybe that's the thing. You know, anytime you put someone who is, uh, you know, not fully matured or not quite ready for it into a leadership position, sometimes they get a little yeah, over. Just, they get a little overbearing with it. You know, whereas Hera knows who she is and she knows her role and she knows that when she speaks, it's, you know, she doesn't. There's no lack of confidence in her leadership from her. Yes, yes, I get that. Hera yeah, is I just. Hera is my is the best. I mean, I just want to keep coming back to that. I love Harrison Dula. I'm I'm I have a crush on a Twi'lek. Everybody, there it is. I said it. I admit it. Well, I guess it's good that the person that you have a crush on, Steve, we already know survives season four. Exactly. Yes, that she's at least getting to that battle at Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and let, let's talk about that because there's a bunch of connections to Rogue One in Indeed. this episode. Indeed. Um, the, let's just start with the Death Troopers. I mean, come on. Thrawn's got Death Troopers, and that's kind of chilling. You know, that just adds to the chillingness of Thrawn. They look so cool. I love the I love the look of Death Troopers. The thing I was wondering the entire time is why weren't they making those weird noises they were making in Rogue One? Like, between because now... Because they, they weren't talking to each other. Yeah, I guess maybe I I think it probably is just because they hadn't settled on that, you know, that noise that they were going to make for Rogue One yet when they made this episode because they have to make this stuff so far ahead of time mm-hmm. that that they added that, you know, kind of in the sound mixing of Rogue One. But It's um, possible. It was very much it's an element of those of that soldier that was very prominent in Rogue One, so it mm-hmm. felt like it was missing. Like why aren't you guys making those weird like yeah, the, 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 encrypt, the encrypted speech. Yeah, I, I thought they did at one point. It was just very, you know. I mean, it was kind of backgroundish, like um, because I it was never. I, I kept listening for it. Yeah, there was never really a reason for them to communicate with one another. But um, I just, I, I like the what Thrawn having the Death Troopers implied that you know that this was a mission that was important enough that he would be able to commandeer those elite troops. Do you get the feeling that he commandeered them, or, or are they just there? Well, like, well not common. Yeah, I think that he put in the request to have them, and it was granted. Okay. I, I just you know, assume... It's, like it's like having SEAL Team 6 at your back. Well, basically. see, and I guess I just assumed there were, like, various small groups of death troopers around about that were assigned to some of your higher-up people. 
the sense I get is that they're a, a small, very elite mm-hmm. group, right. and you know, you you got to pull some, you got to have some pull to have them assigned to you. Yes, okay. I, I think they said in Rebels Recon even that um, only the highest level people have the Death Trooper. So it really it showed Thrawn's status, the fact that he he had his own little personal group of Death Troopers. Mm-hmm. Teresa, Death mm-hmm. Troopers. Any word on the Death Troopers from you? Uh no, okay. they're death troopers. They're death troopers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the troopers that accompany Thrawn have an incandescent spots on their helmet, which are part of the movie costume design and seen widely on Rogue One product images, but were ultimately left unlit in the finished film. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to the find little, the little green circles. Yeah. I just I'm waiting for us to talk about Sabine. Well, let's talk about Sabine. Bring go go. Okay, so Sabine, it was really good to see her, by the way, just like, yay. But she did, she too, is sort of the same thing as Ezra. She showed a level of maturity that we've seen off and on with her, but it was very, very prominent. I mean, she was standing up to her mom and to her brother and to everything, and even... And it's nice to know that even though she's working with her actual family, she still views her ghost crew as her family. But, that is very important to me. But like, in standing in, up to her mom, she wasn't like stomping her foot and whining. No, no. she was. She was. That's one time. Like she was very mature, mm-hmm. standing up to her mother and saying, "Look, I've got to do this. This is something that needs to be done." And. I love that she did that. I love that her mom came around and said, you know what? They returned my daughter to me, so I owe them, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved all of that. And there, she has one line when they're getting ready to jump off of the ship and to go <laughs> onto the interdictor. And she's like, everybody, turn on your jetpacks or whatever it is she says. And... Ezra's like, I don't have, I don't have a jetpack, and she's like, you have those little thrusters. Yeah, you have a little <laughs> thruster. Yeah, I loved it. Well, and that was some classic banter, you know, that 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 was stuck in at just the right time. It wasn't overdone. It was that classic Sabine Ezra banter, and it and it. Well, it also goes back to a previous episode <clears throat> after she got her jet jetpack, and Ezra was kind of jealous of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I thought. Did you guys like seeing her back? Oh yeah, of course. And, and there's definitely uh, there's definitely a new maturity to her, a new confidence in her. You know, I mean, she's always had it with the Ghost Crew, but we're seeing it now within her own family. And you know, even uh, it, this was part of the trivia gallery on StarWars.com. You can see it in the episodes. You know, her brother, the the shoulder pad on her brother, she's painted on that you know so she's literally leaving her mark on her family now mm-hmm. um uh, yeah it's just uh, it, it, it and also in terms of the story it made sense of course he would go to her after being turned down by mon mothma and of course she would do everything that she could to aid the ghost crew so yeah it was great aaron um we did in the Rebels Recon. They mentioned that we're probably going to interact with Mandalore and Mandalorians some more next season. In fact, there was some concept art that they dropped at the end of the episode 
that was nothing but a bunch of empty Mandalorian helmets um, laying around. Uh, do you want to go back to Mandalore? Are you done with Mandalore? You know, it's like, let them fight the little civil war and be done with it. No, I, I've always really enjoyed the Mandalorians mm-hmm. in all Star Wars media, even, you know, Legends era mm-hmm. um, as well. So I'm always happy to see them. I think it's cool that they've they've kind of gone all in with the Mandalorians and the animated stuff. They they could have avoided that. I know that there's there's been some contention on, you know, oh, these aren't the Mandalorians that we knew from Legends and all that. But that's I think that's kind of all gone now. Everybody's accepted this new version of the Mandalorians. And um, I love that Sabine is now, you know, she's not just some random Mandalorian girl that we don't know her history. Now we know so much about her and her family. And now we got Fen Rao, who's part of the group, which I, I really think that character is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about the Mandalorian still being a major part of the story. Uh, it doesn't seem like they have good things coming for them based on that concept art. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really cool to see. It's, it's interesting to me. The one thing that has been missing from rebels that is kind of a Mandalorian connection is Boba Fett. And I wonder, you know, if maybe we'll see him in some way next season um, or if they're just going to completely be like, yeah, let's just not even go there. They did tease in Rebels Recon that we're going to see some beloved familiar faces uh, next season. So that, that that very well could be one of the characters that we see. Haven't even thought about that. I mean, he was a big part of Clone Wars. And I know that they had future stories for him in Clone Wars that we never saw. Um, so, and, you know, that's a Filoni thing, too. You know, if Clone Wars was Filoni's thing. So, as we're going forward with Rebels, it, I've actually been very surprised that he hasn't popped up, at least in one episode. Um, so, I feel like we're going to see him. But, we'll, who knows? I'd take, an old, I'd take an old man Cad Bane. I'd take That'd an, be awesome I'd take too. an unforgiven type I'd take an unforgiven type storyline with like an old man Cad Bane. I think that'd be that'd be fun. Um, I'd love to see I'd love to well, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. But I feel like I want to see Imbo. <laughs> oh, I loved Imbo. I did too. Yeah. I just don't I'm like trying to figure out like how he would fit. You know what would be cool Which is if there was, was an an episode, a bounty hunters episode, M- so we get to see like all of like the M- BA bounty yeah. hunters. Embo was the one with the hat, the f- the frisbee hat, and the and he had a pet um, and a pet what, Teresa? Anuba oh, or I, a pet? What was it? It was a wolf of some sort. I thought. Oh, was it? Was it? A, I think it was, was an it? Anuba. An Anuba. Okay. Yeah, I think it was an Anuba too. Nice try, Steve. Well, all right. It was a good <laughs> effort, though. Oh, thank you. What were you uh, trying wolf, to get me wolf? to say? Were you trying to get me to say wolf? That's right. What's, exactly. What, yeah. Yeah. What's the name of Aaron's other podcasters? Whoa. Sorry. Whoa. My bad. Um, bad wolf radio. Bad wolf. <laughs> she doesn't know. She's never listened. Oh. That is a lie. Nice. Um, Guys, I I don't really. Th- there's not a lot to break down about it, but and we mentioned, you know, with these Rogue One connections, all the some of the various ships and everything that showed up. Of course, Dodonna's uh, uh, Masasi fleet and everything, and they actually used one of the things in the trivia gallery is there's a ship that they used um, that was actually a in it's a blink and you miss it ship apparently from uh, from Return of the Jedi, which now. Hello, I got a reason to go watch Return of the Jedi. A Dornian gunship. 
Um, it's a background vessel that's barely glimpsed in Return of the Jedi, and the Rebels animation model is revamped and used in Rogue One, a Star Wars story as well. So, um, you know, there's another fun connection there. But the the space battles and and you know, hello, it is Star Wars. These things were beautiful. It was. It's part of what made me love this episode so much was the stuff going on in space. I thought it was everything was so well designed. The fact that they're using explosion elements that are used in the films, you know, and and putting those in this animated series is just amazing to me. Um, and and I, like I say, nothing really to break down about it all, except it was just really pretty to look at. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, so jump in on that if you'd like to respond in any way. <laughs> well, they're getting they're getting really good at doing animated space battles, which is fun. And I like that. I think it was in the Rebels Recon that they said that they took some of the explosions, like you just said, and laid them on top. And like that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you do that? How, do you like cut it out? And I don't know how people do this stuff. Like, Steve, when we talk on Disney Vault Talk about all these animation techniques and all this stuff, I'm always like, I just don't know how people do that. (laughs) And then I say, you know what? It doesn't matter. You like it. So I don't think about it anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's interesting because they're using some of the the visual effects elements from the movies to to help – build the the stuff in the show the ships and the explosions and things like that it's it's clever and the but the camera shots too as they're going by the as they're going you know around and by some of these big capital ships yeah and and even from from the you know the back of things and and the ghost does a few of those moves where it just kind of wobbles to the right and left like the way the millennium falcon does Mm -hmm. and dude the 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 mall's mandalorian ship i forget what it's called that ezra's flying it is the coolest thing flying through space to me. It just looks so good. Um, I, yeah, I was I was just blown away, and like I could, for those scenes alone, I could watch these episodes over and over again, um, just because to me it was done, it was done so well. Um, the other thing that I don't know how to break it down outside of just. This is a thought I had that I, you know, I wanted to put out here instead of just asking questions. I guess is, um, I, Rogue One has to be the first significant victory against the Empire. And one of the things that I was concerned about going into these episodes is knowing that this was going to be Thrawn's big move and that sort of thing. Is that we would see them win and defeat Thrawn, and Thrawn would, you know, die, and we'd get a new villain of the season next season, the way it's been up until this point. I was really glad to see, um, not glad to see Rebels die and that sort of thing, but I was really glad to see that they didn't win a battle here. They escaped with their lives. Well, the thing is, Steve, is that Rogue One is not the first significant victory. I believe it's the first significant battle against the Empire. Well, but the opening crawl of Episode 4 says the Rebel Alliance has just won its first victory against the Empire. Right, but I think that first victory was actually the first battle. <clears throat> you know, what what we're seeing, like what we saw in, in this season finale, I guess you'd call it more a skirmish. See, I don't know. But, I, but I, the, that, that, that Scarif battle at the end of Rogue One is the first time that we see the full rebellion 
engaged in war against the Empire. Right, but here... You know, Thrawn, Thrawn doesn't... Thrawn thinks that this is the rebellion. Yeah, but you at know, the same time... It, look, at the same time, they're showing up with inter, with two interdictors, some, some Imperial cruisers, five Star Destroyers. You know, th- this would be... This would have been a huge victory for the rebels had they you know been able to pull this off and somehow win yes and not just yes and and so i'm just glad that they're paying attention to things like yeah we can't really have them win anything major yeah you know they can hit a they can hit a base here they can hit a weapons facility they can score some y wings they can you know they can uh blow up a facility over here but but they can't you know this this battle of scarif has to be the first real deal and in yeah. no way was this this battle of Atalon, if we want to call it that, right? This wasn't a victory. At, not at us. all. Not at all. No, that's... this was we we got we got past this by the like the skin of our teeth. Yeah, they, that's what I I'm mean, saying. They escaped they, with just they their lives. They suffered some colossal losses here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it sets up some interesting things going forward uh, in into season four and. Um, and it just makes me look forward to. Well, we know they're going to Yavin. Is that where they're headed? I thought they may be headed to Dantooine. Yeah. No, they're going to Yavin. That's what they said at the end of the episode. I hear you. You know, AP five is like, you know, maybe one more jump on That's our way to right. Yavin. That's right. He sure like did. That. He sure did because then then Kanan walks in and has this conversation with Ezra about yep. losing and it's okay. You know, we escaped and we'll live to fight another day. Can I just say something real quick too? I really like that little moment with Kanan and Callus. You know, where Callus thanked him for saving him, and Kanan thanked him for sacrificing everything. Yeah. Yes. I just, I thought that was a nice little moment there at the end of the episode. And it's you know, and that's a cool slow burn for Callus. You know, after we've seen him, um, Teresa, did any of us on this show think way back at the beginning? Was was anyone calling for Callus to be a good guy? Like I feel back? like somebody was. It might have been me. <laughs> okay, Aaron. Were <laughs> but you? But I don't. I don't know. I don't. Remember. Were you on that train, Aaron? No, not early on. I think they they made him a pretty clear bad guy. Even the way they promoted him in the the build up to the show coming out, mm-hmm. how he had wiped out you know Zeb's people right. and all that, and I think they really had him pegged as a a pure evil bad guy. But then. We had that episode where he starts to show, you know, some compassion and him and Zeb become friends. And right when they had that episode, that's when I was like, okay, there's a reason why they gave us that episode because eventually yeah. they are going to try to bring him in. I think they tipped their hand there. But up to that point, no, I did. I definitely didn't think um, that he was going to become a good guy. But I'm happy that he has. I think he's a, a great character. Um, and the cast of characters is getting really big now. You know, they've brought in Rex and they've got Fen Rao and now they've got Callus. It's like, you know, at some point they got to start whittling this team down a little bit. Oh, I, I think it's coming, unfortunately. Well, if they're going to Yavin, the cast is just going to get bigger. Right. But I, I think Aaron, that, Aaron's referring just... specifically to like the ghost crew, aren't you, Aaron? Yeah, the kind of the core group. And I know not, you know, I know. Uh, Van Rao's not like always with them. Um, I don't know what Callus's role is going to be, but it, it does seem like the, the kind of that that core group is getting bigger. And Rex has kind of been, you know, he's he's been kind of quiet lately. He almost seems 
a little. I mean, as, as much as I hate to say it because I love Rex, I, he's kind of pointless at this point. Mm-hmm. He's Him and just Dev another, almost play the same role. He's our soldier. Yeah. So I could see maybe him, you know, getting picked off at some point in season four. No, maybe. he makes it all the way to the end door. What are you talking about? Everybody's <laughs> going to get picked off except for Hera and Chopper. Oh, shut your mouth. I have to mentally prepare myself, okay? That's true. <laughs> Look, I like to think that Rex was part of the Battle of Jakku, so. It's that oh, old wow. grizzled guy oh. on the ground. He go, he, so he makes it all the way there. He makes it past Indoor all the way to Jakku, huh? He okay. would be so old. <laughs> this has nothing not really. to do. I mean, like five years older than he is now? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. This I'm has nothing to do with Rebels TFA. at all. But I'm just wondering, is the Battle of Jakku with Empire's End, is, is that the same one with Sienna and Thane in Lost Ark? Yes. yes. Okay, it is. Okay. Thank you. Yep. All I've right. I've wondering that for days. Um, <laughs> EVO, uh, is it EVO, EVA? The, the, the outside on the whole of the interdictor, taking the interdictor out from EVA. the outside. An extravehicular activity. Right. Thank you. The the EVA attack on um, on the uh, interdictor I thought was really cool and a great yep. and a great callback to some other spacewalks we'd seen in, in Clone Wars and Ezra was even wearing a Clone Wars era spacesuit there, which I think really speaks to the lack of uh. uh Equipment and resources. resources. Thank you is the word I was looking for. Thank you, Aaron. The lack of resources that the Rebellion has. Well, but Ezra's flying Maul's ship, which he got back in the Clone Wars. That's true. That's true. You know, so he's flying around in a Clone Wars era ship. It's probably just the spacesuit that was hanging in the closet in there. You think? Mm-hmm. You don't think they just said, here, take... You, you don't think that they go over it and like, all right... No, we- I think it was just, you know, that ship probably had a couple suits hanging in it. He's got thrusters. He's got the thrusters. Little thrusters. Yeah. Yeah, it's in case you have to go outside and make repairs on your ship or something like that. There you go. Um, well, look, guys, uh, I don't I don't have anything else necessarily to, to cover on this thing. Aaron, um, let's do it this way. Let's uh, let's close out with um, your final thoughts. Who's, your, who's Snoke? We haven't just given oh. our Snoke theory for the season. <laughs> That's true. We actually haven't well, done it in like the last two episodes. <laughs> Well, to be fair, the last episode was a little too intense to start doing Snoke theories. Um, I, I'm going to go. I like what Anthony Rice, Blessed Cheesemaker, says in the chat. He's taking the double agent theory and saying Callus is Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> that Callus somehow makes it all the way to being Snoke. Maybe Bindu is so Bindu, pissed that Bindu I, becomes Snoke. Bindu is Snoke. That, that's where he comes back as Snoke as a little old shriveled man. There you go. Yes. And that's why his head's all deformed from the, the shot. From the shot gone. that went straight through to the ground. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Bindu that's is it. Snoke. There it is. You, we've done it. We've done it. It is It is done. So Aaron's- Watch. If, if in, in The Last Jedi, if Snoke's like, I am the middle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Aaron, uh, your final thoughts about this episode, anything we missed that maybe you wanted to touch on. And, uh, and if you want to, uh, we've talked, we've touched on a little bit hopes for season four. Well, I never get tired of seeing a Jedi take out the legs of a Walker. I thought that was a a really cool scene. Having Kanan 
jumping in and taking out that walker. Um, that was the only thing that I didn't get to mention that I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, final thoughts. I just I thought the episode was great. It it really. I'm I'm happy that Thrawn is alive, even though I kind of expected him to die in this episode. Uh, it went a different direction than I expected, and I'm actually happy that um, that character is going to be continuing to be, I hope, the main villain that goes up against the Rebels, as opposed to trying to introduce us to a new a new villain. Um, season four, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to the, uh, the movies. You know, we're getting closer to Rogue One and, yeah. and A New Hope. So I, I hope to see some major strides to that direction and see some major connections. Um, more so than we've already seen. And, um, yeah, I guess it's probably the final season, right? Season four? I think that, I think that's what we're all understanding to be the case, yeah. So, or uh, I think that's the, the, the speculation that everyone's agreeing on, as it were. Um, Erish, final thoughts about this episode? I, I like and the, it. And the season, just, and even the season yeah. as a whole. Yeah, I just want to say, the season as a whole, I just thought was phenomenal just one of the best years of star wars storytelling and you know i said at the beginning of the episode here tonight that i just love that all these little things that we've seen throughout the season paid off in this in this episode it was all connected um and i also want to say that a huge kudos to the cast. I mean, our, the, the regular cast of our ghost crew, but also, you know, Sam Witwer's Darth Maul was fantastic. Steven Stanton's been killing it all season, mm-hmm. playing the different characters that he has. Um, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I forget the guy who plays Fen Rao. Um, he's been fantastic. Just the voice talent that they're bringing into the show. Duke! G.I. Joe. That's right, Michael Bell. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The voice talent that they're bringing into the show has just been spectacular. And I just, I'm so impressed with what they did this season uh, that I'm like on pins and needles waiting for next season. 100% agree. Teresa. Well, the episodes were really good and it was a good season finale. There's not much of a cliffhanger. Which is sort of interesting. I mean, I guess our only cliffhanger is that Thrawn is still alive, but we don't really... It's not as much as some past seasons. That uh, we have, have we really <gasps> had cliffhangers, though, in this in this series? I feel like we did. Maybe I'm, Maybe it was like, yeah, maybe episodes. I don't know. I feel like there were cliffhangers. Maybe I'm wrong. But I was expecting there to be one, and there wasn't. Hmm. The episode had a lot of really great moments and some pretty awesome moments and cool things and overall I really liked it and for season 4 I'm mentally preparing myself for lots of death and um, (laughs) you know uh, I don't know really what I want to see honestly Mm. I think I want to see more Hera I definitely want to see more Sabine I want to see some really cool stuff with the Jedi and Force stuff. I'd love to see some sort of interaction again between Obi-Wan and Kanan would be cool. Uh, I don't know if we will. Uh, 
we see any Boba Fett, that would be neat too. So all of those kind of things. I agree with what Eric said about the voice acting talent on the show has really been awesome and everybody that worked on the show. But mostly, I want to just say thank you to Erish because you saved my butt this season with Rebel Yell. And uh, it is, we've hit, well, we've hinted at stuff, but it's because of that that you will be joining the official hosts of Rebel Yell for season four. And Erish Chernovice. Uh, Yes, and it's going to sound just like that. Uh, I, I, seriously, don't change it. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. It's awesome. But, you know, I, 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 Teresa, I really it was absolutely. It. Thank you. It was absolutely my honor. I was honored that you would ask me to do it. I had a blast doing it. Thanks to all those who guested with us this season. Um you know, hopefully we'll we'll have them back on again next season when Teresa will be there to, to join us for it. Um, but yeah, it was just a real thrill. I had a blast doing it, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm honored to be part of the team. Well, and for very, our very listen- proud of what we do here. For our listeners, uh, Star Wars Celebration is coming up. I will be tweeting and stuff uh, from my account and the Disney Vault Talk account and doing some coverage, doing some live videos and stuff for Rebels, uh, for Rebel Yell and some things like that. And hopefully in between now and next season, we may get do some interviews or something, maybe? Maybe. I'll be at the Del Rey booth every day at Celebration. Come by and give me a Rebel Yell. Little yep, pass, and, uh, little pass the corn. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Steve will give you that information at the end. That way you can find us. Oh, and really quick, since Aaron is here, we are officially a part of the podcast meetup with Jedi News, Coffee with Kenobi, and Podcast 66 that is taking place Saturday night at Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar um, during Celebration. So the Saturday of Celebration. And we will have exclusive awesome buttons that you can only get there. And they are limited in number. All right, and don't forget the hashtag if you're at Celebration. Hashtag, this one's for Steve. Uh, And we'll be doing Not at Celebration coverage throughout uh, Celebration as we watch the live stream, and we'll try to even get some of these guys on. You need to be following Aaron Goins, at AV Goins on the Twitter. Check out Star Wars Bookworms with he and Teresa. Also, if you're a Doctor Who fan, check out Bad Wolf Radio. With him, you can find all that stuff on iTunes, your regular stuff. Arish is at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter. And as he said, check out the Del Rey booth at Celebration if you're down that way. And uh, and let him know. Holler, pass the corn, and let him know you enjoyed Rebel Yell this season with Arish and that you're looking forward to more next season. Teresa is at Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter and Instagram. And Disney Vault Talk is at... Uh, is it at Disney Vault Talk or at Vault yep. Talk, Teresa? No, at, at Disney Vault Talk. At me. Disney Vault Talk on Twitter and Instagram as well. You can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse for all the updates on shows that are coming out and being posted and that sort of thing. And we appreciate you doing that. Uh, as for me, I am. I was really stoked. This whole season, I agree with Eris, has been more hits than misses, in my opinion. And uh, I will not deny there have been some misses in my estimation, but they have been so few and far between that I have nothing but love for this season three of Star Wars Rebels. And Dave Filoni said in Rebels Recon, 
we're finally probably maybe potentially going to get x-wings and so that's all i need in season four x-wings and hera oh hera in an x-wing that's what i'm saying yes so, uh, so yeah. Also, want to uh, you know, in Eris, you mentioned it. We had some great guests over the season, and and Eris set almost all of those up, and uh, they were all great. And we appreciate every single one of them coming on. We also want to thank Shaz Bazaar for the tune to which we are going out. I, I was just gonna say that we got to throw one more thanks out to DJ Shazzy Shaz. And if and if I had one wish in life that I've never asked for anything from our listeners or at Stuffity on the Twitter. Um, there is a fight scene with Thrawn and Callus, and he is holding something in his hand. And I think it'd be great if, as they begin to battle, he has to turn that on uh, to, to his theme song. <laughs> and then you could just cut in, because Callus had some great reaction shots in this episode. In fact, most of Callus was just kind of looking surprised and dismayed at stuff. So, uh, yeah, there you go, Stuffity. Uh, make it happen, cat. <laughs> and then we can just do a big mashup of the Thrawn aims to kill and the, and the Lobot dancing to the... Stubbity, just get ready. You're now the official videographer of Rebel Yell. <laughs> well, hey, uh, you know, I, I know you're going to play Thrawn, but I feel like we have to do it one more time, Steve. What's that? Seagulls? Oh, no. Teresa, you did not just stop me on the way out. To do seagulls, I and I'm, I'm not ready. It's not. It's not ready. Aaron, did you know that when you get older, you might get hit by a boulder? <sighs> I'm so lost right now. Get head, get hit in the head. What was it? Something with a coconut? There it is. Here, here you go, Aaron. Just listen to this. It'll count. Rocking and rolling <laughs> down to the beach. I'm strolling. But the seagulls poke my head. Not fun. I said seagulls. Mm. Stop it now. Everyone told me not to stroll on that beach. Are you still lost, Aaron? Do you get it now? Yeah, I get it now. One day I was looking, I saw a log and I rolled that log over. And I was like, had a, it had a, a child. there was a stick under it. And I was like, that log had a child. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, I can't wait to see you walking down the aisle at Celebration with that blaring from your backpack. And oh, it's going to happen. It oh. is going to happen. Somebody needs to have my phone <sighs> recording it. Well, no, somebody has to record it with their, other, with their phone because it has to play on my phone for it to play through my speaker. And, and I'll send you the Thrawn song. i got to send you the Thrawn song so you can... Yeah, that. I need all the music y'all want me to walk around the show floor dancing. That's awesome. Oh, man. Don't you let me down, Teresa. Don't you let me down. Oh, I'm not. I'm all down for doing dumb uh, Look for Aaron. Look for Teresa. Aaron, are you going to be at Celebration? I just assumed you would be. Yes, of course. I will be there. Awesome. Look Aaron for- lives at Disney World now. That's true. He's just there. That's true. <laughs> Look for Aaron, look for Teresa, look for Arish, and all of our Rebel Yell friends at Celebration Orlando in just a couple of weeks. Don't forget. Two weeks, two weeks from tonight, I will be there. Don't forget, if you haven't pre-ordered your Thrawn novel, do it now. Have it ready to come to you. April 11th. Uh, And uh, 
Man, until next season, what a good season it's been. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. For Aaron Goins, for Teresa Delgado, for my brother from another mother, Eric Chernovice, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you next season. And you know what? I will probably see you once they show something at Celebration on Rebel Yell. Killing while forging his mold, enslaving the young and destroying the